Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker, All the Games. This is episode 44, where we will discuss Chowaha. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the Northeast of the United States, along with co-host Martin, who joins us from Malta. Martin and I have a few things in common. We enjoy mixed poker games. Each of us has written a book on mixed game poker, and we also enjoy trying and reviewing new beers. So you'll be hearing something about all of these topics in each episode. We'll begin by starting off today's show as we have with each episode so far with Martin and I each reviewing a beer. So sit back, grab a beer, as long as you're not driving, and enjoy our beer review and subsequent discussion of mixed poker games. So today I am pouring an MB Lager from Montclair Brewery in Montclair, New Jersey. So right, MB Lager, obviously Montclair Brewing Lager. This is, according to the can, a full-bodied German-style lager. So let's have a smell. Claire Brewery Lager, I'm just going to call it MB Lager from here on out, has a ooh, very nice, did you get that German um, aroma, the German smell likely coming from the German yeast, malty, and I'm getting some sweetness in the smell as well. Let's have a look. This beer pours extremely clear. It's very light, it's light colored. I was I think, I, was, I don't know why I was expecting something darker, uh, but I think I'm mistaken with that. It's a very nice, clear looking German lager, light in color, gold, very gold, um, and a very nice head of foam. Now for the best part, let's have a taste. Oh, very, very clean, a very nice clean beer. I'm getting maltiness as I did in the smell, and that's leading to a bit of sweetness. There's quite a bit of sweetness coming through, and that's from uh, from the malts, that maltiness that's in there. Very, very nice. I, the only sort of small gripe, not even really a gripe, but the only negative thing I would say about it is it says it's a full-bodied lager. And um, it does have a, a decent mouthfeel, but to me, it's a little, a little thin um, for the words full-bodied on the can. And not that there's anything wrong with it. I think it's perfect for what it is, a German-style lager. I think if they left off the word full-bodied in that description, I would be completely satisfied. But other than that, it's a it's a wonderful beer. Again, MB Lager from Montclair Brewery in Montclair, New Jersey, coming in at 7% ABV. I'm going to sit back and enjoy the rest of this 16-ounce can. So Martin, why don't you describe what beer you'll be sipping on for this episode? I've got a Porter, a Cheshire chocolate porter from uh, Frederick Robinson Limited at the Unicorn Brewery Stockport, which I think they brew exclusively for the in the UK-based uh, supermarket chain Marks and Spencer. 
Um, I have a, I mean, look at it. It's uh, it, as a porter, you'd expect it to be almost black in color. It's actually quite a, it's a kind of a dark brown, I guess, chocolatey brown color. Um, and, and it's almost, you can almost see right through it. Uh, so it's, it's quite surprising the, the look of it. It's also got a nice white foamy head up there on the top. Let's have a smell. Yeah, it actually smells quite vanilla and uh, chocolatey and quite, um, it smells like it's going to be quite sweet. So let's have a taste. Wow, it's very, very chocolatey. Very chocolatey. And yes, there's, there's vanilla in there as well. That's uh, a nice smooth uh, feel in the mouth. It's, it, it's it's unusual for a porter, I would say, but it, as I say, very heavy on the chocolate flavour to it, um, but, but, but a pleasant drink. And it comes in at uh, 6% ABV, so kind of medium strength and uh, a nice enjoyable drink. Cheers, Sean. Salute, Martin. So quickly about your beer, it's not, the, the chocolate isn't so overpowering that is it, 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 you said it's a lot. It's not too much that the beer is sort of off-putting, um, but it's a lot, no, but it, still good. It's, it, it's surprising. It, it's uh, If you're looking for a more bitter, often if you buy a port, you expect, expect it to be quite bitter. It's definitely not bitter. It's quite sweet, but it's a pleasant flavor. And if you feel like chocolate, you're going to like this. Yeah, so it, it, it's not off-putting, but it might be to somebody who prefers their porters more bitter, I guess. Thanks for the... The detailed description. Remember that our focus here is non-hold'em poker, specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to try different variations of poker. Whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager, we define the rules, the play, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. Today's episode, we'll be covering Chowaha. Martin, why don't you walk me and the rest of the audience through the play, deal, and rules of Chowaha? Sure. Chowaha is a variant of Omaha High-Low. Uh, I think, I suspect it's more often played as a fixed limit game. I think it's quite a US, uh, US-based kind of um catchment area where it's been played so far. Um, so, you, you, Sean, talked about Omaha High Low back in episode five of this podcast. It's also, um, we talked together in episode 26 about a, a version of Omaha High Low called Best Best. And it's kind of... Um, it's quite closely related to that game as well, but I'll, I'll go a little bit more into into why. Uh, in best best, you you played with two or three boards. In Chowaha, we start with three flops. We have two turns and one river, and you you can play it. the flops. The three flops are kind of each can they can each be played along with the turn card that they connect to. So if you think uh, top, middle and bottom flop and the top, the top turn card will connect with both the top flop and the middle flop. The bottom turn card will connect with the middle flop and the bottom flop. 
So it's a bit more complicated to sort of decide um, how, how you can make your hand. Um, and then there's just the one river that obviously connects with both turn cars and can, can be played with any combination of the other qualifying combinations of cards. That's a bit um, long-winded, but I'll, I'll quickly go through uh, how it's dealt and played. So it can be played pot limit or fixed limit. Um, the two players to the left of the dealer button will post lines, and then after a round of... So uh, then the players will be each given either four or five cards, depending on whether this has been played as a four- or a five-card game. Um, there's a round of betting, and then the three flops are placed out. So the dealer, the dealer puts three cards together. That's the first flop. Below that, three more cards, the second flop, and below that, three more cards, the third flop. Another round of betting follows, after which the two turn cards are, are, faced, are placed to the right of the flops, kind of um, in between, in the space in between the, fir the, the first one in the space in between the top flop and the middle flop, and the second one in between the middle flop and the lower flop. Uh, then there's another round of betting, after which the river card is placed on the on the uh, on the end beyond the two turn cards I'll just add that there's a burn card before each of the uh, community card sort of sessions so one burn card before all the three flops one burn card before the two turns one burn card before the river after the last uh, after the river card there's the last round of betting and then the showdown is determined the, the pot is uh, given to uh, and half of the pot is given to the best high hand and half to the best low hand. You form your hand using two cards from your hand and three cards from the board. And as I said earlier, the, the board, you take three cards from one of the flops that connects with one of the turns and the river. Uh, so you need to take three cards from one of those sequences and two from your hand. Do you have any questions at this point, Sean? Yeah, let's. Well, not a question. Just again, we'll. Uh, since some of the some of these games recently are a little hard to envision as you describe them, uh, we'll just. I'll kind of go over and you verify if I'm getting it right uh, to help. Just to help reiterate what you said, um, it's almost like it's kind of interesting. We have the poker piece, which you know many of us obviously are are well aware of, and then we have the the puzzle piece of how the uh, how the board looks and how it comes together. So. You know, listening to what you describe, it could be a, a little difficult, but I think it's actually not too bad. Three flops on the left. You can think of it going down to three, two, one, right? Three flops on the left, two yeah, turns, yeah, yeah. and then one river. So you can go and you have to use all of one flop. So you can't mix flop cards. So all three right. in a line. So you right. think of sort of three horizontal lines on the left side with cards and then two turn cards to the right of that sort of in between those boards and then one river card in the middle, almost going to like a, an arrow, you know, you can almost think going to a point. Yeah. You're visualizing it very well there, Sean. Good, 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 yeah. uh, good description. So three from one flop, one from either two of the turns, and then there's only one river. So. Yeah. The, the, the one of the things about this is you can't use the top flop with the bottom turn and you can't use the bottom flop with the top turn. So the top and the bottom flops each only connect with one turn card. 
The middle flop connects with both turn cards. So the Okay, middle flop I did miss. Yeah, the middle flop is more likely to complete the draw you have there. If you if you uh, if you think about it as a poker player, if you've got the nut flush draw, you'd rather that be in the middle flop than the top or the bottom flop. Having said that, you maybe would prefer a top set, and you would rather have that be on the middle flop than the top or the bottom flop, because there's more chance that the turn card between two of them that connect with the middle flop is going to complete your draw than in comparison with the other two, which each only connect with one turn card. Good. And that's why you turn it over to me for any questions and clarification. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Three, three flops, two turn cards, one river, um, but only the middle flop can connect with either of the turn cards and the top one, top flop goes with top turn, bottom flop goes with bottom turn card. Okay. All right. <clears throat> and yeah, obviously it makes sense from a strategic point of view, right? Just mathematically that um, if you connect with the middle board, you have more of a chance of improving um, because it connects with, you know, twice as many turn cards as the top and bottom flop. So that said, if we're um, done with the, the the deal and sort of general play, um, do you want to move into the strategy tips for us? Yeah. First, a, a, a little warning. I've only actually played 12 hands of this game in my life and they were all within the last 24 hours because I played them in a home game that I uh, that I went to yesterday, last night, that ran overnight. So, uh, I right, so we're going to we're going to hear some recent. We're going to see your, you know your recent story, a <laughs> recent play. This is this is fresh fresh off the presses. Pretty recent, yes. <laughs> so I chose the game once as a fixed limit game and once as a pot limit game to see how they would uh, compare. I think I like it better as a pot limit game, but I just prefer pot limit Omaha high low to fixed limit Omaha high low. Even though I love both games. Turning to strategy tips as you as you as you requested. Okay. I think the, the biggest thing as as it often is 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 all to do with understanding the game and don't be the mug who um identifies that they've made a, a nutted hand and doesn't realise that it's actually not the nuts for the game because one of the other boards completes a stronger hand than the one you have. So let's say you you've you made the ace high flush because you know, you've got the ace and another diamond and there are three diamonds that actually fit into one of the um, patterns of boards, you know, flops, turns and rivers that qualify and you've made the ace high flush. Don't be the mug that misses the fact that another board has paired and somebody probably has a full house, especially when you start seeing bets, raises and re-raises going in because that's going to cost you some money. Other than that, I think basically... Good Omaha high-low strategy is really key in this game. So avoid the middle cards. I mean, the reason why avoiding cards like eights, nines, and tens in Omaha high-low is, is is something to do is because you're trying to scoop a pot and you're very rarely going to scoop a pot when you make a 10 high straight or a nine high straight because it's quite often true that a, that a low has come in. And it's more so in this case because it's much more likely that there are there's going to be a low because actually there are basically four combinations of boards. So in a, in a normal game of Omaha high-low, there's only one flop, one turn, one river. That's one combination of boards, if you like. In this variant, the, there's the top flop with the top turn and the river. There's the middle flop with either turn and the river and the bottom flop with the bottom turn and the river, making four boards, making it much more likely that a low, a qualifying low hand will be achieved. So 
as I said, the the middle cards are to be avoided because you're going to get half the pot. You're never going to make a, a decent um, profit on a hand by playing those cards uh, regularly. Yeah, and uh, so look for the good uh, hands that combine high possibilities with low possibilities. So remember we, we talked about in the discussion on Matrix during episode 42 of this podcast, the board's going to pair quite often, so pairs go up in value. I think that's probably the case here as well, because again, with four boards, it's more likely that the nuts for the high is going to be a full house than it is in a one-board Omaha high-low game. And then finally, you know, the low cards, ace two, ace three, and it really probably combinations of wheel cards, uh, with ace two being strongest, five four being by far the weakest. But look to get in to see to see the board because um, depending on what cards come out, you can uh, make the strongest possible low. And sometimes it can be quite disguised if if you've got a two four and there's an ace three on the board with a six somewhere else on that board. Somebody else with ace two on the board gives them an eight low might not realise that you've got a better low than them depending on how experienced they are. So. Yeah, some strategy tips there. And any questions on those, Sean? At least a, a one comment here. I think it's important for our listeners to realize the difference, right? You, there are games, a lot of the high-low games are eight or lower qualifier, but not all of them. And so it's important to remember if you're in a game that doesn't have that because it, it does change the strategy quite a bit. I didn't um, mention that, did I? It is an eight or better qualifier in this one. Yeah. yeah, but but as I say, the the fact that there are in effect four boards means that it's much more frequent that the that the, the um, low comes in than than it is in the uh, normal game with just one board. But yes, it's an eight right. or better qualifier. Yeah. Yep. And you did allude to that when you said it was an 08 variant, but just to yeah okay. clarify right. for everyone that it is an eight or better. And there are we we've talked about there have been a a, a couple of games at least talked about through this series of of. Uh, poker all the games where <clears throat> some are just high low games where there is no qualifier but this and the strategy is very different from there as martin mentioned in the strategy section here when it's an eight or lower those middling cards really are detrimental to your hand yeah. because you're only you can't you absolutely can't get a half of the pot whereas in a high low with no qualifier you actually you have a chance it might be small but you still have an opportunity yeah, let me just um, expand a little bit on the reference to the other game, Matrix, that we talked about in episode 42. In, when I talked about strategy in in, the, in that discussion, I mentioned that pairs like nines and tens shouldn't be immediately thrown away if you can get to see the um, the board cheaply. But in this game, it's different because in Matrix, quite often there is no low. And that's what means that's what makes hitting a set with nines or tens, for example, or even eights, um, more profitable because it's more likely that you will scoop a pot because nobody's taking the low. But in this game, but by far the majority of the time, someone's going to take the low. So if you're playing those pairs, you're only playing for half the pot unless you have two good low cards alongside with them. So uh, that that's just a bit of point of clarification between the discussion I had with the Matrix strategy compared to the Chawahar strategy. 
All right, let's move on to some mixed game news. I have uh, the one thing I have here from the U.S. side is that Poker Go is about to they're going to air some mixed game coverage. So Poker Go, I'll talk about this when we get to the upcoming mixed game event. But Poker Go has a mixed game series that they run at the Poker Go studio at, at Aria Casino in Las Vegas. And they did at one point, they aired some of those, they streamed some mixed games. And then I think they had another series and they didn't. But in any event, they realized that airing the mixed games, there is a, a pretty sizable audience who is very passionate about it and makes noise if they don't get what they want, so to speak. So they are going to air some mixed game coverage on Poker Go, which is a subscription based uh, streaming service. And I know sometimes they do offer some free YouTube teaser videos, but the subscription isn't terribly expensive. If you're heavy into poker, there's a lot of footage on Poker Go if you subscribe. But besides that, they are going to be, during an upcoming mixed game series, they are going to be airing the 5K and 10K horse and eight game tournaments which are February 28th and 29th and March 1st and March 2nd. So those are planned to be streamed. As we know, with televised coverage, anything can change, but that's the anticipated schedule. Um, and I'll go over the events uh, under the events section, but I think it's good. Martin and I, in the past number of episodes, have been talking about how there's just much more interest in mixed games and uh, Poker Go is realizing that, and so I'm happy that they're going to be airing at least these these four events. Um, it'll be great to see. I, I love Horse. Horse is one of my favorite mixes, though I don't seem to do so well in it for some reason. But <laughs> I, and I love eight game. It's probably my one of my favorites. Eight game and up, and nine and ten. So I'll be very happy to uh, to watch these games. And I think part of the coverage is it is tough, as you can imagine, to televise you know, mixed rotations, especially in eight game where the games are changing. There's different numbers of cards, draw games, you know, flop games, stud games. So it, it is a challenge, but uh, hopefully the uh, folks who run sort of the back of the, the team in the back room are, are getting better at these skills and uh, we'll have better coverage and more coverage moving forward. That's mixed games news that I have. Martin, uh, do you have any updates for us since our last episode? Well, first of all, that's that's really good news. I used to be a, a, an annual subscriber to Poker Go, but I stopped it because there wasn't much make mixed games coverage. I'll definitely subscribe for those. Yeah, I think you're you're right. It's it's a way to bring in right. You get stagnant as a paid a pay for stream subscription service. You get you get to a point where just nobody else is sort of entering the market. And I think, yeah, like you said, if uh, if they can bring in some mixed game players, it should increase the revenue. So. Yeah, yeah, great to hear. Yeah, so apart from that, as far as mixed games news in Europe is concerned, I will just mention that the festival series has announced its schedule for the tournaments that it will run in its first stop this year in Rosvedov that starts on the 31st of May and runs through to the 9th of June. And it's a fantastic development again for mixed games players. There's the Horses Mixed Games main event, which we talked about at Bratislava at their last stop in uh, 2023. Uh, there's Spit and Special. There's um, Eight Game. There's 
horse. There's even a seven-card stud fixed limit tournament in Europe. As far as I know, that might be the first time that's happened. On the day when they run the horse tournament, that starts at 2 p.m. and uh, at 7 p.m. there's a deuce of seven triple draw tournament. So mixed games players can run from one to the other if they don't run deep enough in the horse tournament, they can never go to the triple draw. And then there's also open-faced Chinese. There, there are various Omaha variants of tournaments. So that's quite an exciting schedule to look forward to. Yeah, no more mixed games news. Oh, apart from, I'll say this again, which uh, I've talked about in recent podcasts. On the 15th of February, Portomasso Casino in Malta will be running a mixed games cash game and hopefully that'll run every Thursday from then onwards, and it'll run a feature a rotation of games, 16 to 19 games, depending on which games get through the um, the local gaming authorities' uh, scrutiny, and they'll be on a rotation. It'll be a nice, affordable, low-stakes mixed games cash game for people that are um, wanting to dip their toes in mixed games to uh, get involved. So I'm looking forward to that. Sounds great. A uh, sort of a, a low stakes coaches game, a European coaches game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's re- really that that you're referring to coaches game in Resorts World Las Vegas, and really that's what I pushed for Potomaso to run this game, and and that's what I've kind of um, that's that's what it's, what's inspired the idea behind how it should be structured and formatted, and I, I think it'll work really well. As far as mixed cash games i'll ask listeners to refer to one of the previous episodes as there are no new updates so let me go into mixed poker tournaments i usually mention the orleans in las vegas and i still want to give a shout out to them they have a pile of mixed game events that they run but they're going to be making a change soon so they had a i saw a survey on Twitter. So they started this year off with a new schedule and they're tweaking their schedule and they've asked for some user feedback. And I'm not sure. I haven't quite seen what the results of that yet are, but I know they've had some $150 and $240 buy-ins and they just want to make sure that those who attend the players, um, if they want those buy-ins, a mix of them or one or the other, et cetera. So they're going to be making some changes. So I'm going to kind of skip over that until They've come to a conclusion, but it's still a great spot. Again, the Orleans and Las Vegas with regular, almost daily, um, which happen every week, uh, mixed game tournaments, horse, OE, triple draw mix, OE, different days of the week, week after week. So um, hopefully by next episode, uh, I'll have an update on more of a concrete schedule. Moving on to the Moneymaker Tour Palm Beach Kennel Club in West Palm Beach, Florida, running from February 15th to the 27th. You can check out moneymakerpt.com for additional information and details, but I'll quickly go over. They have, right, it starts right off on February 15th, so it'll be the day after this episode is released with a horse tournament. Then following just day after day, February 16th, a mixed PLO event. Next day, a limit 08 or better. Following that, triple stud. Next day, which would be February 19th, big O. Continuing on, five card PLO. Then a couple of days later, a horse championship, followed by an 08 championship. And finally, on February 26th, 
um, a $1,000 buy-in Big O championship event. So quite a few events, and they also run No Limit Hold'em tournaments. Uh, so Moneymaker Tour, I have to give kudos. They've been adding a lot of mixed game tournaments into their series. And, uh, you know, I, I would say, I have to say, please go out uh, if you have a chance to go to one of those mixed game festival, one of those festivals with the mixed games and uh, support them. And they are run, <clears throat> they are run extremely well. Moving on to Robbie's mixed game festival seven, which is running February 25th through the 29th at resorts world, Las Vegas. I know last episode we said the 26th, but um, details have been released now. The schedule is set. So I will go over those now and I'm pretty much just going to read from Robbie's post. Um, so I don't miss anything again, February 25th through the 29th at resorts world in Las Vegas, some very exciting stuff. Robbie's mixed game festivals have come a long way and some great prizes and packages. So there will be a poker stars sponsored NAPT prize package up for grabs for the winner of a $300 heroes tournament, which is just horse rearranged. There's going to be a $300 08 stud eight tournament and there'll be around the clock four, eight mixed cash games, $4, $8. So it's a great place. If you're just learning or wanting to get into mixed cash games, it's a great four, eight lowest limits you're going to find anywhere. So a good, good time to try your hand out at them and the players and the dealers understand that there will be new folks coming into the game. So they're very happy to help you with the rules uh, and play of that, as well as listening to ep episodes of Poker, All the Games. Some additional stuff going on at Robbie's Mixed Game Festival is a Women's Wednesday planned in coordination with LIPS, which is the Ladies International Poker Series. Um, Linda Johnson and Jan Fisher will be leading instructional sessions on RAS and 08. So again, in addition to this podcast series to learn some of these games, there will be uh, two top women in poker with Linda Johnson and Jan Fisher um, leading instructional sections. So that's phenomenal. I know there's a, you know, we're all trying to push for more women in poker and uh, there's something uh, to look forward to. To, geez, there's so much, a big thrill for <laughs> attendees. Um, yeah, is getting the chance to play with right pros and celebrities. So Robbie usually has, he always has some poker pros uh, and poker celebs uh, coming on different days. You have to follow him on whether it's uh, Facebook or Twitter or on his uh, cardplayerlifestyle.com website. But usually he posts there what days certain pros are expected to attend. It be I believe uh, he has lined up. Um, again, subject to change, Elia Lezra, Nathan Gamble, Lupe Soto, Kevin Gerhardt, Justin Saliba, and Scott Abrams. A, a great, great lineup. Um, Elia Lezra, uh, one of the top uh, seven-card stud players in the world. Kevin Gerhardt, uh, another top bracelet-winning mixed game player who I actually sat next to um, at the WSOP last year. And then to round out his festivals, he always has, right, pizza right pizza poker beer <laughs> pizza parties <laughs> poker trivia and uh there's always freebies um so a lot of times there are book signings etc so uh please go out and support robbie in his push for mixed game poker 
one last thing, uh, one last mixed game series coming up here on the U.S. side is the Poker Go Tour mixed game series uh, that I mentioned up in the mixed game news. So this runs from February 26th through March 29th. The mixed game portion of the series is February 26th through March 8th, I believe. Let me let me pull it up here um, because part of it is true mixed games and the rest is just PLO. Um, so, yeah, February 26th through March 8th is the mixed games. And then from March 8th through March 29th are... Again, mix, but all PLO mix. Um, and they've really expanded this series. So these are bigger buy-in events ranging from uh, 5,100 to 25,300. So basically 5K to 25K events with the 25K being championship events. But there are two satellites running for the mixed game series. On February 26th and 27th, there are $750 buy-in satellites for the horse and separately and respectively the eight game 5k tournament. So if you're interested in these games and you know, you don't have 5k, but you, you might have 750 to take a shot. You, you may be able to satellite your way in and play into a uh, 5k horse or eight game where the, the, all the big names show up for these five, 10, 25 K mixed game series at the poker go studio that are streamed. So, uh, you have a chance for $750 to actually get into one of these big events um, and end up on a streamed event in the Poker Go tour studio, which is phenomenal. Um, I don't remember which episode, but I actually talked about it. And uh, I, I've been inside and it's, it's beautiful. There's a bar when you first walk in and then um, the studio in the next room. And then beyond that is sort of the, the final table that they stream. So a lot of mixed poker going on on the U.S. side between cash and tournaments. I'm going to turn it over to Martin for uh, game players in Europe. Yeah, wow. So much going on over there. Um, but also in Europe, it's, uh, it's it's looking quite promising for the way that mixed games are expanding over here as well. Um, I'll quickly list the uh, mixed games the, the poker festivals that feature a decent amount of mixed games tournaments that I know of that are coming up in the first six months of this year. We start with Kings of Tallinn, which is running from the 23rd of February to the um, 3rd of March. And that that includes a, a, a number of different games that would be interesting to mixed games players, different Omaha variants, open-faced Chinese Eight game. I think there's a pot limit, Deuce of Seven, Triple Draw. There's Svitten or Draw Maha. And uh, the buy ins range from roughly around 115 to around about 555. There's actually a Mystery Bounty PLO tournament for 555. There's also a PLO championship at 1100 euro buy in. Um, so if you if you We've got deeper pockets, but a little deeper pockets. There's that to interest you as well. After that, the Mixed Poker European Championship is part of the Norwegian Poker Festival in Bratislava, which is not in Norway, it's in Slovakia. Um, but because of the local laws in Norway, they look for an, a venue elsewhere in Europe to run their festivals. 
That's from the 11th of March to the 24th at Card Casino, Bratislava. And um, the first part of that, that uh, the first few days, is it was basically when the Mixed Games Poker European Championship runs. And there's a fantastic um, variety of Mixed Games tournaments there from an, an opening big bet mix with a turbo structure with 110 euro buy-in. Um, the biggest one is, an, the biggest buy-in one is 880 euros, which is a H-E-T-R-O-S high roller freeze out uh, with 100,000 chips to start with. So that's a, probably going to have plenty of play in it, that game. Um, but there's a lot of different tournament types, eight game, uh, low ball mix, and uh, one mix that's been apparently quite popular in the US is the mix of Omaha High Low and Stud High Low. That features in this festival schedule as well. So that's one to look forward to. Um, flashing with that almost is, well, exactly flashing with that from the 13th to the 17th of March is the EPLOC Festival in Sofia which is basically a number of Omaha variants. So Omaha itself, four and five card Omaha, Courchevel, Courchevel high-low. Um, all those games feature on that schedule. And the buy-ins are all kind of 150 to 300, so fairly low buy-ins. And, and Sofia's quite a low-cost city to visit, as far as from, from what I've heard. So if you... Budget's a bit tighter. Maybe you'd like to head to that 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 uh, festival. Um, after that, there's the next ETOP cruise, which runs from the twenty second of April to the second of May. That's I don't know what the buy-ins are for those tournaments yet, but it will include Omaha, Omaha High Low, Sviton, Horse, and Stud. Twenty uh, second to the twenty ninth of April is the Malta Poker Festival, which will include a horse tournament, some PLO, and a crazy pineapple tournament. Then there's the festival series in Roswell, and as I say, I've, I've already talked about the schedule there, so I won't go over that again. I, I will just add to what I mentioned earlier, though, that there are some guarantees um, on some of the tournaments. For example, the the, the horses main event has a guarantee of 25,000 euros. So that's that's quite exciting that there are some mixed games tournaments now that are attracting guarantees in Europe. Yeah, so they're, they're all the festivals that I'm aware of in the first six months that feature any significant amount of mixed games play uh, on the tournament schedules. And as I've already mentioned, I'm also looking forward to the cash games that are going to start at Porto Masso Casino on the 15th of February. So very very soon, almost immediately after this podcast comes out, I'll be sitting in that game. Well, good luck in in that, Martin. Thank you. Well, no, well, yeah. What I say is best best wishes for skillful playing, <laughs> but we'll take luck too. <laughs> yeah, a combination of the two would be really uh, ideal. Yeah. <laughs> yes, just like life. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Let's move on to recent mixed game play. So I'm going to talk about last session, I believe. Well, maybe I didn't tease it. I don't know. But um, I play, recently played a 2040 stud session at Borgata. And I'm going to 
I have some stories to tell <laughs> about this session. So I'm going to focus on, on this um, for my recent mixed game play. So I initially sat down with $750 um, and I was actually down to fumes after a while. Um, and I ended up adding some more back on, but first let me back up and, and set the stage um, because this is, this is interesting and took me a little bit by surprise. So there was, there's always at least a single table of seven card stud running at the 2040 limits at the Borgata on the weekends. Um, but recently they've had the Borgata winter poker open. So there've been a lot more folks. So I went down this particular day, the list grew to a second table, um, which was where my name was on. Eventually it filled up. They seated us. We played two hands, both of which I entered and lost and one of them was a, a pretty large pot <laughs> so wow. th that's why i ended up on part of why i ended up on fumes pretty quick but here's the thing so after the first two hands they moved a player to what they called the main game the main table that first table so our table became shorthanded at five players at that point one of the players at our table said they weren't going to play five-handed five because they didn't want to pay the time rake since we literally just sat down and played two hands. So then it became four, right? And then another player bows out. So basically the game ended after two hands, both of which I lost. So, and me losing the two hands isn't my gripe, but here is my gripe. The two hand, the two tables were each six-handed. But apparently there's a rule that a floor has to move a player because the main game can't be shorthanded. So they had to move a player from our table over to make that a seven handed game, which left us with five. Now, I don't know how commonplace this is or if it is at all, but um, it sounds ridiculous to me. You have two six handed games. That sounds like a lot more rake than a seven handed game. And then our table breaks. <laughs> so but look that basic economics might not work with a casino. I don't know. I'm, I'm being a little sarcastic here. It just, I thought it was ridiculous and obviously upset us as players. You know, I'd been waiting to sit in the game for quite a while. So I don't know if anybody knows, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of this Martin sort of, there's a main game and then a side game and they have to keep the main game full. Yeah. Um, actually at resorts world um, coaches game. When there's enough players to start a second table, that happens. But when there's a, a seat open in coaches game, there's a must move. The person who was the earliest on the list or the person who's been sat, seated longest at the second table has to move to the open seat in coaches game. So it's the same situation, really. Um, that second table becomes shorthanded uh, after a while. I mean... It may be the people that started on coaches game stay there a while, but but as soon as people start to leave, that second game really dwindles in number quite quickly. So I, I do think that's quite problematic, and I think as you allude to, be much. It seems more like to make more sense to keep the two tables evenly balanced if it's possible. Yeah, and then yeah, and if both get shorthanded enough, you combine the tables i mean it's like tournament <laughs> tournament yeah 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 table balancing so, yeah 
right table balancing in in tournaments yeah so all right so it is i guess it is at least somewhat commonplace um i can't say that i've necessarily experienced it before and it was just it's you know i, I it's it's a bit of a drive for me to get to the borgata from where i currently reside and uh you know, to, to then sit and wait on a list for, for a while and the game starts and breaks after two hands. Um, it, it, it's a little, little upsetting. But anyway, back to the session. Our names go back on the list in order. A couple of hours later, the game restarts. So uh, we're back in the game, pretty much same folks um, with a couple of additions. So as I said, I s started with 750, um, ended up, you know, losing those first two hands in the initial game. Um kept going downhill. Then uh, without much left, I topped up with an additional $250. And I was like, something needs to change here. So I had recently met someone in Atlantic City. Um, and I texted them and just said, can you send me some good vibes? I'm like, I need something has to change here <laughs> in this session. I feel feel like maybe, you know, send me some good vibes. Um, I just met you. You see, you know, this very, this person has be, since become a really close, wonderful friend. Um, and not that poker players believe in this sort of thing, right? Like superstitious, you know, send me good vibes. I mean, we don't believe in that stuff. Do, do we, Martin? <laughs> not really, but <laughs> I've used that kind of approach myself at times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I need this seat. Right, players come in. I'm sitting in the seat five. That's my seat. Move, you know, kind of thing. Okay, <laughs> but but anyway, I I texted this uh, person who I, I recently met, uh, and immediately, look, immediately, I won the next two hands, and my upward climb began and was on its way. And with each message of encouragement, encouragement I received, <laughs> the, I mean, I just kept it was just mostly upward. It was, it was almost, it, it was literally incredible um, when I would receive a message and literally win each of the next two hands. So anyway, um, I did want to go over one hand quickly. As we all know, bluffing is a huge part of no limit hold'em, but not so much in these limit games that we talk about in this episode series, and especially in stud, because there's so much information available to all the players in the form of the up cards. So this hand, uh, without, without belaboring it, the hand went all the way to 7th Street. I had flush draws. I had straight draws. I had an overcard to the ace. Yeah, I know what everybody's saying. Don't chase. I was chasing. I was I was on a roll. I was I was things were moving good for me, right? I was getting I was getting texts. <laughs> I was things were looking up. <laughs> so on sixth street, I'm staring at my opponent's open queens. And seventh street comes and I miss everything. <laughs> I mean, half the deck, right? And I miss. So I'm sitting with a pair of fives. My board is showing three to a flush, four to a straight, and I'm looking at open queens. I can't win at showdown, right? I'm not winning if this goes to showdown. I'm first. Um, actually, I get right. She's open queens. My opponent checks to me, so I bet. My opponent tanked for a very, very long time. I'm I'm sitting there, <laughs> hoping I get another text. I'm trying to push out <laughs> vibes, tells that I'm, you know, that I'm strong looking at my board, et cetera. So they, my opponent tanked for a long time and finally mocked. Yay. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> Bluffing <laughs> successfully in limit poker. There's no better feeling. <laughs> yes, it was, it's an extremely difficult prop proposition. But so while bluffing mm. definitely is not a huge part in limit games, it is possible under the right circumstances, the right situation with the right player and the right circumstances. Everything has to be in place. You can't force it. It has to come, right? It, I, I knew this player. I had to believe there was a chance they would fold. I had a very, very scary board, and then I bet directly into their open queens. So, you know, I had a, I mean, everything was going for me, and I still was very worried they were going to call <laughs> um, because it's easy, right? Make the call. The, the pot was huge at that point, um, and another $40 into, I, I don't remember the pot, but, you know, it was several hundred dollars you know three hundred dollars i don't nice, know what, whatever it gets nice, to yeah nice. heads up that yeah so um but it, it worked out so a very a successful bluff and yeah i felt felt really good good about that so anyway at the conclusion of the session uh no you know no huge win i came back to even not a great story because there's no big you know i was way down and i came up big but honestly getting back to even um after being down you know nearly the entire you know, one thousand dollars. Um, look, I take that as a win, honestly. Um, oh, you, and, you're um, saying no great story. That was a that was a nice for for the hand hand you talked about. That was a nice story on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a a, a very great session, especially after sort of you know the bad news about the table breaking and then having you know, yeah. I had to wait a number of hours beyond that and you know i'm just happy to be able to sit you know it's nice to sit in a you know i'm a you know generally a lower stakes player I, i'd like to move up into the to the mid stakes and i take my take my shots and i'm i'm just happy to be able to sit into a 2040 stud game and be able to hold my own so yeah that's my session martin uh maybe maybe we'll hear something about your recent uh home game uh here yeah, I had a really nice time at a home game last night. It was uh, it, it was a lot of fun. We played a lot of different variants, including, as I've already touched on, Chawaha. Um, I, I came out the biggest winner in the, in the game last night. It was largely to due, due to one hand of uh, hot limit, super stud, high low, which we talked about in on this podcast episode number 28 where i had a an eight high straight on sixth street against two people that couldn't possibly have a low um and managed to get a check raise all in three way against two people who both had three of a kind and couldn't possibly make a low so i was free rolling and they both missed their um draws for a full house or better so uh that that set that sent me on the on the road to a nice nice win last night. Or oh, oh, actually finished it this morning in the very uh, very early hours. Um yeah, so so that went well for me. I I played a couple of times the weekly Sweden special tournament at at Potomaso Casino. I actually had a nice run of five of those where I never lost my stack and I either won the tournament or outright or chopped it with friends in five weeks in a row but just last week that run came to an end when i even had to take a re-entry when i when i flopped top set against second set and the other guy made um quads on the river and there was a third guy in the in the hand with 
a better draw hand than me, so they split the pot eventually. Um, and I had to re-enter, and then I also did nothing. I did got nowhere with my re-entry. So, um, I mean, I had that I had that coming to me. The variance in that tournament's been super good for me over the last few weeks. But yeah, the home games was was really good. I mean, we get to, we play any game, any game we can explain. Um, so there was a good variety of games played in that, and uh, a lot of fun. Eight people all. Uh, all, all enjoying the game and playing in a good spirit and um, good time was had by all and uh, a few people donated some money to me, which is even better. <laughs> so you, you mentioned you ended in the wee hours of the morning. What what, what time do you start? Like, how, What's a typical number of hours that the home game runs? Well, we started at 4 p.m. The uh, we, we took a break for something to eat at around 11.30 p.m. The, the the home the, the host Jeremy is a very good chef, so we had some nice food, and then we restarted about midnight, and we broke at around four thirty a.m. Um, yeah. Wow. So like a twelve-hour session home game. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is everybody generally stay, or do people kind of start start to trail off, or are pretty much one- solid for for it? Yeah, one person left early last this time, but it was only because he had a a phone call and he had a family. I wouldn't say emergency because it wasn't anything particularly dangerous, but he had he had to help out a family member on something that uh, came up unexpected. So if he'd have been, uh, if he hadn't had that call, would have been uh, all eight of us would have stayed until the end. Yeah, oh, that's 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 great to hear, and I I love hearing that. Um, Jeremy, the host, is a, is a good chef as well. Um, I, I know I've talked about coming over to Malta uh, to visit. So, yeah, that, that, that's just more enticing. Um, good food, good drink, and uh, some, you know, a 12-hour session of home games. Sounds sounds like something not to be missed. Really, it, it's, it's, it's the best. You, you, you should come, Sean. It, it, you would really enjoy it for sure. And yes, make yeah. sure there's some good beers lined up for you as well, something you won't have tasted before. <laughs> Because it won't be easy enough to take my money already. Well, oh, give me some. Give me some <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sure you'll, well, that's you'll, all. you'll, you'll find yourself uh, winning some parts as well, losing some. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I do remember the first time I met you, Martin, at Robbie's Mixed Game Festival in Las Vegas. And I, I you know, I lost all my It was only a couple hundred dollars. You know, it was my, my first time playing like, you know, a, a big 18 19 20 game rotation dealer's choice game uh so i I lost some money but it it was i have to say it was it was a good time losing the money right it was it was a very enjoyable experience i know what you mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i didn't feel i walked away i was like wow i just lost like 150 or 200 dollars but it but i felt i feel good doing it So, and it was Got to be of nice service. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was nice uh, to have met you, Martin, and uh, stay in touch and uh, hosting the podcast with me now. So it, it worked out really, really well. If you want to learn more about mixed games, Martin and I have each written a book. Head over to Amazon for my book, Poker All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 
mixed poker games, as well as other chapters on why mixed games provide a better edge than hold them. And other things like health and wellness, um, which are important not only in life, but also in playing this game of poker. Martin, why don't you tell us about your ebook? Yeah, my ebook is called Pot Limits Vitan Special. It's also available on Amazon. It's about one specific game. It's a European version of Dromaha. Uh, it takes you right through from the very basic how to deal and play the game, what the rules are, through the starting hands, every different type of starting hand, all the odds for completing your hands, both the draw hand and the Omaha hand. It takes you through the pre-flop, flop, draw, turn and river stages. It also gives you a quiz section near the end, which can uh, question you your uh, awareness of how well you've learned how to play the different betting rounds and how to decide which cards to draw. And then there's a, there's a section at the very end which goes through a few other variations of Svitin Special or Dromaha that I have played at, at that point when I'd written the book. And I'm also working on the hard copy no ETA on that at the moment, but uh, that is in a work in progress. You can follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R, all the games. It's poker, at poker, all the games, but there's no E in poker because it's too many letters for Twitter. Or <laughs> And or subscribe at pokerchannel.substack.com. Dot com and when you see our um on twitter we post these uh episodes and or if you go to uh, substack and subscribe there uh hit the like button for us send a subscribe um to pokerchannel.substack.com and you can also follow martin at go ahead martin okay my handle is on both twitter and substack is poker for leisure or poker for leisure p o k e r the number four, L-E-I-S-U-R-E. So on Twitter, it's poker for, at Poker for Leisure. And on Substack, it's pokerforleisure.substack.com. Well, that's all for episode 44, Chawaha. Join us again in three weeks for episode 45, where we will teach you how to play Courchevel high-low. Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker, All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. Poker.